0: And then at the end of Colossians, we went back and looked at three things. We looked at marriage, and then parenting, and then today, uh, we are going to look at work. And so we just picked three areas that we felt like uh, that would be good for us to return to and just discuss kind of more holistically, and that's what we've been doing. And then uh, next week, we will start, uh, we're we're not exactly, uh, we don't know exactly how long we'll spend in the Psalms, but we'll start looking at a psalm a week. So I uh, just want you to know that. So again, we're not going to be focused as much on the text of Colossians as we are on the concept holistically of work. So pray with me and then we'll start. Father, we thank you for uh, your mercy and your goodness to us. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can come to it, that we can trust it. And we thank you that you help us in understanding it. We understand that it is uh clearly given to us in an understandable way and yet we are separated by uh, time and culture and those things and we just ask that by your spirit that you would open our hearts to see and understand and to love and to treasure and to walk in obedience to what we learn. Uh, we, We need your mercy and kindness towards us. We need you to move in us. We pray you do that today. In Christ's name, amen. So most of us spend a lot of our life working. If you were to talk to people, and some people might say, well, I don't uh, work outside the home. And it's like, but do you do work? You, You do work. I mean, there's a lot of work to do. Some people create more work to do than there is to do. But the reality is, we all have things to do. Some people get paid for their work. Some people... Don't get paid for their work. Some people get paid like a fair wage for their work. Others do not get paid a fair wage for the work that they do. Uh, The reality is, is work issues are all around us. Uh, Some people do manual work, and others do what you would call knowledge work. Some people would say something like, uh, well, manual work's the only real work. And knowledge work, that's not really work. And you're kind of like, well, that's not exactly true. Uh, But there is this divide within work, I mean, where people will kind of find themselves, manual workers or knowledge workers can both look down upon each other. It's just kind of part of the deal. Um, Some people work at their job to pay the bills. And then some people um, go home, I guess you could say, afterwards and work at what they like to work on basically, you know? And so maybe it's a hobby or it's something like that. But you just find that the reality is we do all kinds of work, sometimes paid, sometimes not paid. And that's just the reality. Some people work by themselves and would prefer it that way. Other people like enjoy working in a team. And depending on where you work, you may be in all ki- kinds of things like that. Some people have a boss and some people are the boss. I mean, that's just and so, there's all types of work, all types of people in all types of places, and, um, and you just kind of think, man, how do we think about such a massive subject that takes up a lot of our time, and we have to think about it biblically, and it's hard to do that, because sometimes we are, you know, we're influenced by how we grew up, who we were around, what we watched, what we heard, uh, what the culture is saying, all those kinds of things kind of come into play. So here's what we're going to say. You ready? Every believer should consider three things about work. One, God has a plan for work. Two, there are problems with work. Three, there's a solution to work. Right? And that is kind of, if you're thinking about things, this will, that'll help you. That follows, this could kind of be a thing in a way, you could say, a biblical theology, Work has this plan and pattern. There's corruption, right, if you're following the storyline, and then redemption or renewal. And, and that's kind of where we live. We're constantly uh, in that, that that place. And so, again, this morning we're going to think about uh, starting out God's plan for work. He designed it. God designed work. And that's important to say because it, sometimes you forget that. Um God worked. Genesis 2 says, The heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. Who did that? God did that. Verse 2. And on the seventh day, God finished his work. And he rested after that from all his work. And so God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because he rested from all of his work. God works. God works. So if God works, that's, that's something that we should do as image bearers, people made in his image, we should work. Genesis 2.15, in case you were wondering about that, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So work is a part of the plan, it, 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 is, it, it was always a part of the plan, and it was a part of it, you you could say, it didn't start after the fall. It was pre-fall. And so work has always been a part of the plan. God made humanity to work, following after Him. So in paradise, they worked. And you're like, what? When I think about paradise, I think of no work. And you would say, no you should think of paradise and say work that's not cursed. Work that's a joy. And so I think it's just important that we kind of remind ourselves of it. Work was done to the glory of God, the good of humanity, and the blessing to the whole of creation. That was what God designed work to be. So I think it's just important that we just say that and we remind ourselves in that. God delighted. In his work. Genesis 1.31 says. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold it was very good. And there was evening and morning on the sixth day. He delighted in it. It, it, is, it was a delight to him. And so not only should, should we. And again there's days we don't. We, we struggle. All those things. Work has been cursed. And as we'll see. But at the same time we have to say. There's this glorious thing purpose God has for you to work. He he desires for you to do so. Keller states, Work is as much a basic human need as food, beauty, rest, friendship, prayer, and sexuality. It is not simply medicine, but food for the soul. So it's just, we have to come to that realization. We have to encourage one another in it. When you think about God setting up uh, with his special people, Israel, A society. He says, six days shall you labor and do all your work. So creating a a society on this earth, his special people on this earth, he gave them the role of six days to work and on the seventh day to rest from their work. And so what that reminds you is that work gives meaning to your life but it's not ultimate meaning. That, that's the way you might say that. It should give meaning to your life, but not ultimate meaning. So God rested from his work. There's a pattern of six days and then rest. There's a, wi- a rhythm within the world that he created. Six days shall you labor, and on the seventh day, rest. So what did they do when they rested? They rested and they celebrated, in, a, in Exodus 20, they celebrated God as creator on the seventh day. In Deuteronomy 5, when the Ten Commandments are given on the, for a second time, they celebrated Him as Savior. So they celebrate Him as creator, and they celebrate Him as Savior or Redeemer. That seventh day was given to stop and consider uh, all that God had done and to to trust in his provision, to rest in his promises, to reflect upon what he had given them the ability to do and to stop and consider all the work that they were able to do, the work that he had done, and the, the glorious uh, reminder that he is the provider and that he cares for them. So, I think it's just important to say he designed it that way. That's what God did. That God designed work. And, and I do, I, sometimes I have fear that uh, the culture infiltrates like a lot of people's minds and they think that the, if I could get by with doing as little as possible, that's what I would do. And I would say, you don't understand what you really want. What, what you want or what you're striving for is something that will um, it will not give you meaning in life. You were not designed to slack off. That that's just you're not, and you can't try to bring every pleasure in the world that you could like pursue outside of doing the things that God had ordered us to do, desires for us to do those things will not bring the delight that we think that they would bring. So, as you continue forward, I just think it's important just to say, okay, so he designed it this way, and it's good. And and there's, as Keller calls it, there's dignity in it. There's sometimes you'll meet someone, and and it's, again, there's all these different people that have different types of jobs, and if they work in the same company they're always putting each other against the other right so it's like well you're you work in this you don't do anything and then it's like well you don't you work in this and you don't do anything and it's like this kind of silly uh thing where it's like okay hold on just a second let's all back up logically and think how does all this stuff move okay we need all these people all right everybody be quiet and get back to work you know because it's silly But I think it's important just to say when you're thinking about the dignity of work, that means if you are using your hands or you're using your mind or you're using both your hands and your mind, there's dignity in it. If you are getting paid a lot or you're getting paid a little, I mean, there are all those things. We live in an economy and there are things that are going to pay more and less and all that kind of stuff, but it's just... Important to understand when we're thinking about this, whether you are washing dishes, cleaning the floor, changing a dirty diaper, mowing the lawn, responding to an email, <coughs> getting on a conference call, teaching a class, performing a surgery, welding up a building, delivering a package. These are all work. They're all work. And they're all, they all have dignity and value. and you, 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 they, they are needed. And, and if you were just thinking about it and you're trying to consider, like, all the things that are going on around you, you would realize that whether you are the farmer or you are the kind of the final person to place what you had grown into a market, or you're the truck driver, or any of those things, all these people are a part of the process of, like, feeding the world. So you... It's not, you don't have to put each other against the other. The reality is, is God has given us different things to do at different times. And you should cherish that and and, and embrace that. And it's hard to do because sometimes you really do look, it's easy to want to think of yourself more highly than you ought. There's different places, again, that you're given at different times and you use it to the glory of God and with your skills and all that kind of thing, and, and, and you bless. Um, and then I think it's just important to say, like, all of these things, I mean, when you think about it, um, because I think in the Christian world, um, sometimes you'll meet someone and they will not see, uh, they'll, they'll they'll say, like, when I'm at church, I'm serving the Lord, when I'm at my work, I'm serving the man. Let, let's say that. But, but again, when you stop and consider it, especially in light of Colossians, but in other texts, work is rightly seen, is service to God. When Adam and Eve were in the garden cultivating it, like working the, 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 the ground, if you will, that it's, it's in a picture of like being in the temple with dirt on your hands. That's just, that is worship. They were in a constant state of worship while they were working. And you should be in a constant state of that as you work. Work is a service. Luther says it is pure invention that Pope, Bishop, Priest, Monk are all called the spiritual estate, while princes, lords, artisans, and farmers are called the temporal estate. This is indeed a piece of deceit and hypocrisy. You know, yet not one needs to be intimidated by it. And for this reason, all Christians are truly of the spiritual estate, and there is no difference among them except that of office. Some people like think, well, I, I, if I'm going to do, if I'm going to minister to the Lord, I, that means I, I've got to be here. But the reality is, is in all things that you are doing, rightly done, unless you are like clearly sinning against God, you are serving the Lord as you do those things. In the doing of that occupation, you are serving the Lord. This is His world. This is His world. And then at the same time, you are keeping in perspective that there are other opportunities within that time To take, let's say, what you learned here and to bless people with that. So I think it's just important to say it. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession that you might live for Him. Where? While you're at church or everywhere. Right? And in everything. That is so hard to get into our minds. It is really difficult. But that is the reality. I I was thinking the other day about the fact that um, if you went to Mission Texarkana and you're taking bread there and you're passing it out to people who need bread, are you doing greater spiritual good than the guy that's been out working on the tractor, planting for that bread to be grown? Who's doing more to the glory of God and the good of humanity? Which one? Who's doing the real work? Both. Both. And so I think it's just important. That we, we, it's hard for us to get that in our heads because we'll be like not able to see that. So God has a plan for work, but there's also problems with work. If you've worked at anything, home, at a your business, at, in, in a, a non-profit, where you say, well, that's not a business, which kind of is a business, but they don't have to have a profit or, or whatever. But that, it's work. If you worked in any of these things, you have this feeling, you understand that it is difficult now. I mean, that's just the reality. And so G- Genesis 3 speaks of this. After the fall work is cursed it's not saying work work is good but after the fall like everything in this world there's the curse hits it and it messes things up and work becomes almost like it can be almost like you could feel like fruitless you could work so hard at stuff and think good night i never seem to be moving ahead in this world Genesis 3 helps you think about that. Genesis 3 says, To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to the man, he says, Because you've listened to the voice of your wife, and you've eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you in pain. You shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat your bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Child raising, um, being a wife on the leadership of a husband, both of those things would be very difficult. That's the emphasis here. He's just saying these things that are central to what God has called you to do, Again, you could ask a lot of questions about that. We're not going to. We could talk about that in in a lot of different ways. And then to the man who is trying to provide for a a young family to to feed them, to keep them from uh, starving to death in this creation that's been cursed, he says, it will be difficult. Both are staring at the reality that God has called them to now in this fallen world to continue forward. And in continuing forward, what used to be a joy is trouble. So I think it's important to note because we're saying, oh, work is so glorious. But then we're saying, no, but work's been cursed as as we see in all of Christians. So It gets to that point where you almost could get involved in work and be really successful and feel like you are completely wasting your time. Ecclesiastes says, So I hated my life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and striving after wind. And that's just the reality. You can experience that. So you could say, Oh, I could walk out of here. Work is so wonderful. It's such a joy. I delight in doing my schoolwork and going to the job, and I love doing whatever this is this day, and I can't believe that I get to serve God in the temple, in a sense, as I'm worshiping Him, and then I walk out, and I look at the maybe the boss that I have and think, Lord, why did you curse me today, <laughs> right? <laughs> or whatever it may be. I mean, it just you could have a long list of things like that. You could have a long list of things. And and we could all, like, I don't know, you could say, you could all air your grievances for how bad your life is as you've done your work. It's just the nature of it. And so we see that, and we can see how it could become pointless and fruitless. And even, um, and this is a really helpful thing to see, it can become really selfish, and what that means is like when you go to the, like, let's say the Tower of Babel, and you read about it in Genesis 11, the people, um, they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the whole earth. What, what were they saying? The selfishness is this. We want to be honored and to have this high position and we want people to see all that we have made and so we are going to build something to our own glory and we also like the fact I think you would see this when you think about a city that we are not having to be dispersed we're not having to go throughout the whole world we are going to Build, in a way, a compound to keep ourselves from all the people out there that might get us. And so, in one sense, you're saying, look how wonderful we are. In another sense, you're building something to protect yourself from the world. And it really goes against what God intended. You were to do so, like, to your work was to be to the glory of God and the good of humanity. To go throughout, and, and to the good of the creation and all those things. But they have stopped here and said, no. I want to do this for my own fame and my own preservation. Some people work their whole lives for them and and, and maybe their offspring, and they're thinking, I want to make a name for us, and I want to preserve us. And the Lord is saying, hold on just a second. You will not continue humanity in this state of rebellion work that's selfish is something that God will confront, and he frustrates their whole plans, as you know, and then the last thing you might could say about this frustrating part of work here, is that you have a tendency to make it into an idol, something that, like, let's say you might do your work for comfort's sake, you might do your work to control things, you might do your work for power, you might do it for acceptance, like, I want, look, I want people to know how wonderful we are, how much we have, whatever it might be. So any of those things could kind of dominate you, and so that's part of the curse of work. Um, so you could say, work is like glorious and yet corrupted. That, uh, you know that. So then the question becomes, and I think just trying to think about this, you, you have to come to this place where you say, um, what's the solution? Like, that that's really important. What is the solution to work? Like, how, how do we deal with that and kind of come away? What is... Because if we were writing a story, if you and I were writing a story, we would say, oh, like, look, this is how the world was. Then all of a sudden, there would come in like this massive trouble, and you would be like, oh, no, it's all going to be destroyed. And then we would say, well, what's going to be the resolution? So we're all sitting there hoping that there will be a good ending. Anna loves to watch movies that have good endings. She wants them to have a good ending, right? I mean, it, it's nice in that way. It's, it's, I was listening to, Ryan would be really proud, Julius Caesar. I was, like, really proud of myself yesterday. And, uh, I, and I, I, while well, I was watching the cars and listening to this, and I'd never really, I mean, I knew the story, but I'd never really read it. And, uh, but it, it ends uh, not happy, right? Wouldn't we say that? I didn't, I almost called you and was like, right, this is not a good thing. Yeah, but um, it's not a happy story. But the grand narrative of all of human history and God's purposes in the world is that there is this beautiful creation. It's corrupted. And then God comes in to rescue it. That's the big story. And so we're saying right now, we're living in a world where we're saying, oh, we see a glimpse of work and say, oh, this is good. Now we see the corruption of it. And then we're saying, like, God has a solution. There's this great story. And what you might call, and I remember years ago, the first time I heard the term worldview, um, it it really is like a, a view of the world that, that, that dominates us that it really needs to be in a way the song that you're singing in your head when you go to do whatever God calls you to do that day you're saying to yourself this thing was created good this thing has a lot of problems with it and this is going to be the solution I keep telling myself that over and over and over and over again it's the song that I sing it's whatever maybe I, I, I need to whistle this thing to work you know so I'm thinking about what is going on. So worldview is like, some people would say it this way, it's a a different story that's in your head. You you could think of it in that way. A Christian worldview is you're telling yourself that grand story. It's kind of a comprehensive perspective of everything that is going on in this present world. So um, when we think about that, the gospel is the true story that God made a good world that was marred by sin and evil, but through Jesus Christ he redeemed it at an infinite cost to himself, so that someday he will return and renew all of creation, end all suffering and death, and restore absolute peace, justice, joy in the world forever. That, that's the story. That's the story, and that's the reason that you can do what God has called you to do today, because you believe that story, you keep telling yourself the story. You just keep saying it's the dream that's going to become a reality. That things that will be right and things will be renewed and things will be what they ought to be. It is that story that motivates you. So you say, no, work is not really meaningless and it's not pointless and it's not hopeless and it's not, uh, it's not because he's coming back. Because the one who f- finished the work of redeeming us is coming back to restore everything. And so, whatever I find to do today, I can do it with all my might, knowing that He is going to make everything right someday. And I want to serve Him in my particular place as a priest to God, serving Him today and the opportunities that He gives me. I want to serve Him well, knowing that it's it's not like th- this is not everything, but is the thing that I'm to do in this moment. And so, I want to do that. Well, that story should be driving us in the way that we interact with others, in the way we encourage others, in the way we work. We don't have to be dominated by our work. We don't have to live ultimately for our work. We can rest in His work and then trust that He has called us to do work. It is actually the most freeing thing in all of the world because you're free then to work because it's not the ultimate thing of life. And you're free to rest. And you're free to seek to serve Him. And you're free to do so even when it doesn't really make sense and even when it seems fruitless because I'm, I'm resting in that gospel worldview, that gospel narrative that God created a world, that it was marred by sin and that He has redeemed it and the fullness of that I have yet to see. It's a powerful thing. But that overarching narrative of the world will allow me to say, as Paul said, in First Corinthians 10, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I can worship Him and serve Him in everything that I do. I don't have to say, when I'm coming here, I'm doing work. When I do something for the church, I'm doing work for God. You can say, all of my life is lived to the glory of God. All of my life is serving the Lord as a spiritual a person renewed by God, I offer my whole life. And I do it with that story in my head, with that song in my head. And I sing that when I get up. There is a God, He made it everything, and He made it good, and it was marred by sin, but He's redeemed it, and the fullness of that is yet to be seen. And I keep saying that over and over, and if I'm a mom working at the house thinking, I don't want to do this again, I don't want to teach them that again. I don't want to say this again. It's driving me crazy. I feel like I repeat myself 10,000 times. I'm beating my head against the wall of the, these boys' heads in my family. And I just keep hitting that wall. And it's over and it's over and over again. I don't want to wake up again with this child. I don't want to go to work again again doing the same thing that I did last year. I've been doing it for 10 years, and I've got 20 more years to go. And I'm saying, Lord, give me a vision that you made a world and made a world where I'm to work and to be actively working and serving you. It's messed up by sin, and there's problems all around. And yet, you're going to make all things new. None of this is meaningless if it's worshiping you, if it's serving you, it's seeking to bless these people. If I'm doing it with a heart of faith to the glory of God, none of it's wasted. You see it. You you know it. And Lord, when it's wrong, when it's out of focus, when I'm getting things not the way, going in a direction I should not be, show me that so that I might live out a life that lives to your glory and the good of others all the days of my life. Ephesians 2, 8-10 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. What's he saying? You didn't achieve this salvation. You're resting in it. But resting in the finished work of Christ sets you free. Verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You're set free to work. It gives you a new story for your work. A reminder every day to understand that. And it it really will, will allow you to be free to say, okay, whatever the Lord has for me to do, whatever my hands find to do today, may I do it for His glory. And may I do it for the good of others. Whatever work that you do, if it's not work that's helping other people, if the work has become about you, you've missed it. But you're seeking to serve and to bless, and you want to do so in a way that honors the Lord. Ephesians 4.28, speaking of work to a culture that was just in rebellion, he says to the new Christian, let's say, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. It's a total shift. It is a total shift. It moves from... Taking from others to now working and then blessing others. So, and then I think the last thing, just to kind of help you think about it, is when you think about, will I have enough strength to do this? I mean, I, I mean, that, that may be some of you here, you say, like, I don't have any more like gas in the tank to do this thing. Like, it's too much. It is overwhelming. It is killing me, this thing called work. It is cursed. I know it's cursed. Because it's beaten me down every day. How, how do I... But not just that, I don't even feel like... Sometimes you say, well, maybe I don't have the energy to do it. But you also may say, like, to not only have the energy just to get up and go, but also to do it with the heart to honor God and serve those who I'm serving. How in the world? <laughs> Titus two eleven through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. What's he saying? He has come to set you free, to serve Him. In a fallen world, yes. But to serve Him and to bless Him and to honor Him and to bless other people with your life. So every believer should say, what's the story in my head? Well, God has a plan for work. It's good. Work has problems, and there's a solution to the work. So, will this change the way you work at home and in the marketplace? Will it help you teach your children about work? I think some people are constantly either making too much or too little of work. Maybe they're not ever, like, really taking their children and say like, because a lot of people were and i struggle struggled with this, and Kent spoke about it last week, sometimes it's like, I may have this mentality of, like, I just want them to have fun. But then you might say to well, no, i got to teach them to work. What? There's somewhere in there where you're saying, like, work is not, like, opposed to fun, you know? You want them to learn to delight in what they were made to do. You you want them to delight in what they were designed to do. So you don't want to set it up as these are separate things. You want to encourage your husband or wife in their work. How many of you struggle with that? I do. And your friends and neighbors in their work where... You're encouraging people to treasure the thing that God designed, even though it is difficulty. So whatever your assignment is today, I will just say, just ask the Lord to help you do it well with the right view of it. And hopefully we as people will encourage one another in the same. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the great opportunity we have to serve you in all different facets of life. Thank you for our younger people in this group today. I thank you for the work that they do in their school and different things that they're called to do with chores and all types of things um, to serve. Just pray that they would do this in light of your saving work. Pray for the people in our church that are working in jobs that they may or may not really enjoy. And I just pray that wherever they find themselves, Lord, that they would be able to look past the present struggles that are involved in that and look to you and see it as a offering to you, giving their lives in service to you and blessing others, Lord. And when it, they find that being the most difficult and the darkest of moments in doing those things, Pray that they would just continue to run to the Savior and be reminded that he is coming one day and when he does return, that everything will be made right. May we serve our God and serve one another in a way that would give you honor and glory. In Christ's name, amen.